0: And welcome to what's wrong with Wolfie. My name is Jason, and I'm Rich,
1: and I'm Chris.
0: And this time we finally land into the movies of 1998. Ah, yes, welcome, welcome. We yes, we finally finally land in 98. I think we dragged it out. We dragged out 97 long enough. I don't think we could have done it any longer, I don't think. But yes, we're into 1998, a year in which we were introduced to the Furbies. Oh, Microsoft, no. Microsoft released their new OS Windows 98. Britney Spears wanted her to hit her one more time. Google was founded, and the year Titanic won 11 Oscars. I just want to mention some of the other big films of the year that we ignored, including Saving Private Ryan, Armageddon, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels... The Avengers, and uh, Spice World. In this episode, our picks for 1998 are The Truman Show, The X-Files Movie, and Godzilla. But before we dive into these, there was there was a direct today, guys, and GoldenEye was finally announced for the Switch and Xbox. Rich was Rich was particularly excited, stating on WhatsApp he was rock-hard after yeah, that like, announcement. Like, <laughs> mum listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm sure she'll understand. Yeah. <laughs> yes, finally, finally announced it Yeah, you were quite excited, mate, weren't you?
2: I was very excited and then found out that it's not got online play on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, so... almost like they're trying to make me pick up my Switch again. So Yes. Which you should. Touche Nintendo. Touche.
0: Mm hmm Um, but yeah, quite excited. Um new it's the like a, a newer version. It's not just the old N64 ROM, but getting dumped on there. I believe it's uh, it's been a bit touched up and everything. So, um, and yeah, like you say, Richard, um, we found out that it's only that the online play is like exclusive to the Switch version, which is very bizarre. But
2: it's so the weirdest move because in, in Nintendo being famous for just being very anti online, averse to any kind <laughs> of yeah, anything <laughs> modern at all. Like sure. I'm pretty sure they still they still send faxes in their office. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. I mean, like your Microsoft, Microsoft, you know you 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 know play hardball. You know you don't have to agree to those terms. I mean, because you own Rare. Sure. Yeah. I, the whole Goldnite thing is still a minefield legally, I still don't know what's what. Mm-hmm. I know, in terms of the IP for that game. Nintendo owns it. I thought Rare owns the code, or maybe vice versa. Um, obviously, Activision owned the license. They've done anything with it for god knows how long. Um, hell, is it even Activision now? I can't remember because who's publishing the um, the game by uh, the Hitman people? I have no idea. Yeah. So who knows? No idea.
0: Yeah.
2: But. I'm I'm very excited. I mean, I saw some screenshots. They did release some. They do look. It does look very nice. Mm. Very nice.
0: Yeah, I can't but, wait. I can't wait. Just the idea of being able to play it.
2: And I mean, like, if we've got like modern controls as well, if they've got the option now, so you can do like twin stick. I'm sure that would be, be fantastic. Yeah, because
0: yes. I think on, uh, a few people mentioned that on Twitter this uh, today about the about the controls. You know, say good luck try trying to play it. With Joy Cons on the on the Switch because of the way the buttons are mapped, but if if it is the newer version on the Switch, then uh, hopefully we will be able to remap the buttons ourselves and and put them in better places.
2: Yeah. It's a shame they're not doing anything with that um, Xbox 360 or you know, the um, um, the Live Arcade mm-hmm. um, remake, whatever sure. that was in development that we all thought for the longest time was going to be the one that came out, but. Sure. It is what it is. I'll take it. <laughs> Shame. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just, just the fact that we, we we will soon. I mean, no no release date. Uh, time of recording. But but soon we'll be able to play Goldeneye on the go, where wherever we wherever we are.
1: It's just <sighs> that's, sweet. That's what is making me just so happy. I have a Switch. It's just sure. like. Yeah, we can go online now. We I, can do multiplayer online against one yeah. another on the Switch. Well, like, I'm uh... all the way across the country from you guys, and Jason's sure. all the way up the country from you. I'm like, fuck this. Yeah, it's exactly. GoldenEye. Boom. We can have a GoldenEye log into, a, log into a thing, and that's it. Off we go.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just won't be there when I throw the Switch across the room when I lose again.
1: Well, oh, the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was when uh, console controllers and TVs were <laughs> yeah. pretty much indestructible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, many times I threw a controller at the, the glass CRT TVs <laughs> and it didn't do a thing. It just bounced off and still worked. Okay, I know the wall it's was just, my, the wall was just my just target a when a controller I did it. Now and but, dead. <laughs> but yeah, just like when it finally when you guys sent me a link, I was like, what? It's mm-hmm. finally actually happening and it's not just rumours. It's like, wow,
0: finally. Yeah, you know, and understandably so. I think we would have seen this earlier if we didn't have the problems that we're having again, you know, between Russia and Ukraine oh. at the moment. But but yeah, no, very excited. And uh, maybe we'll talk about it more in the next Prepare to Fast Forward episode. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get into our picks of 1998. I'm very excited to talk about these films. Uh, I think we feel like we've probably all got quite a lot to say about them. So uh, let's jump straight into Rich's choice. And uh, Rich, what was your pick, mate, of uh, 1998?
2: Mine is Rhoand Emmerich, and I think it was Dean Devlin was involved in this one as well. I think Mm -hmm. it was when there was still a partnership. Um, It's Godzilla.
0: We know where he came from big he is.
2: His situation has become more complicated. But our problems just multiplied. He's pregnant. What is this? The virgin Lizard? You've got to find that nest before it's too late. Otherwise up to a dozen are gonna be born. Think of it.
1: Godzilla.
2: Doesn't he need a mate? Not if he
1: reproduces asexually. Where's the fun in that? And um why why
2: I mean there
0: was as I mentioned at the beginning, I mean, there was quite a few banging films out this year. And, you know, why this one in particular?
2: I mean, simply, yeah, this isn't the best film of the year. You could say in a, in, a, in an argument, in a debate, it's not even necessarily a, a good film. I disagree with that. I actually think that it's very enjoyable. Um, is it a good Godzilla film? Probably not. It takes a lot of liberties. Obviously, this is the first time we had like a US adaptation um, but it's like a, just a, a monster in a city movie. It does a lot of good things. Um, I know it angers a lot of the Godzilla diehards. It, it's a massive redesign, reimagining of, you know, the big man. It, it's He's basically a, a massive iguana, which, yes, it's not Godzilla, but I kind of like it for how they grounded um, the character. Mm. You know, I think it was Patrick... topolis who designed it and it does look really good you know with his jay leno chin and you know it just looks it looks very distinct it really jumps out compared to the original toho design Mm. um it's just it's a film it never feels like it drags it has a good energy throughout i mean are the characters pretty lame yeah i mean matthew broderick is incredibly wooden and cheesy as uh nick and you've got was it maria Patillo, who i don't think's done anything since <laughs> she's kind of annoying in it other than that you've just got a load of uh simpsons alumni yeah. from harry shearer yeah nancy cartwright hank azaria who's brilliant in it he's yeah, very very was good one of my
0: favorites when i watched it back
2: yeah. yeah and you've got god himself uh jean renault of course it- it just seems to tick a lot of boxes. It does mm. things right. You have got a good cast. You've got, on the whole, very good special effects. Some do look ropey. They even looked ropey then. But there's other shots They look fantastic and they even hold up now, which is kind of confusing.
0: It kind of was... Um, uh, oh, sorry to interrupt, but I, I was uh, reading back yeah. about the effects a little bit, and they were saying that they had to put the film on a particular like film or something, so the effects looked a lot, shit than it should have um because it wasn't it just wasn't quite the right time for it or something I can't quite remember exactly what was said but it was something to do with the type of film that they had to use so okay the effects were the what what you know suffered because of that decision and I think when you the blu-ray I believe is when they managed to go back and fix it and make it look better
2: Okay, okay. I'd be interested now to see how it looked when I add it on VHS and DVD. To I watched it, I watched it in four K for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> looked pretty good, I must yeah, say. Yeah, I uh, um, And I think that's probably why we sort of talk about the visual effects. And in this film, pretty much about ninety percent, if not hundred percent, of it is. Um, There's basically rain in every shot. It's (laughs) raining throughout the film constantly. Mm. And it could be part of why they're trying to mask the visual effects somewhat. It's like when they shoot stuff at night. It's just a good way to kind of blend things in, hide the weaknesses, you know, accentuate the positives, that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, it's it's just a very good film, in my opinion. It, It gets dumped on a lot, and I don't think it deserves it i feel like sometimes it's one of these films that it's kind of almost in a way like mario super mario brothers it seems to be cool to dump on it i mean you could say it's probably the lesser of all the Roland Emmerich stuff other than obviously independence day you know regurgents um (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a very low bar um it worked and i think one of the big things and probably the reason why i chose it for this year it marked a point in movie going whether we whether it's because of the age we were at or if it was just where the industry was at the time. But it those real big tentpole summer movies and the hype that was built around this film. the The early teaser trailers we had like the um, natural history museum and like Godzilla's foot coming through the uh, the glass and like crushing T. Rex skeleton. You had the whole. Uh, Fisherman scene on the on the jetty. They built up this real hype about it. They didn't show anything. You saw a foot, but you never saw Godzilla until like you saw the film. They kept it close to their chest, which is similar to what they did with the uh, twenty fourteen um, Gareth Edwards movie. They really kept it to themselves. They didn't just spunk all over the promotional stuff, and you mm. went in knowing what the creature looked like how it played out and that I really respected. And what I was 14, 15 when this came out. So I really appreciated that. I was hyped going into this film. Um, I watched all the specials they had on the ITV where they used to have the old, like, you know, movies, games, and videos segments and watching like you know used to get the premiere on itv like the uh when they did the red carpet thing like late on itv on a saturday night or something anytime they would do like the press junket stuff any promotional stuff about this film i was there like just so excited to see any clips about it and yeah we have films these days that are hyped but it just it doesn't feel the same anymore no. and this was probably the last of its kind i think we had Jurassic Park, what, five years previous? And mm-hmm. you felt the excitement about that, but I was still more of a kid, whereas at this point I was getting older yeah. and I was appreciating the promotion more. Like I said, how the trailers felt. You could feel... I can't put it into words, but I just got so excited for this film. I mean, I at this point I'd seen a few Godzilla films, like the other yeah, classic Toho stuff, like on Channel 4. So I was into it. I was into mm. my dinosaurs as well, so it all kind of scratched the same itch. And yeah, I was just ready with bells on. I want to see this <laughs> film so bad. Um, the soundtrack is fucking legendary. I've still got it on CD. Have
0: you? Um, That's cool.
2: Yeah, the Jamiroquai song, Deeper Underground, you've got that amazing Puff Daddy. Um, I think it's kind of, it samples some of Led Zeppelin, uh, come with me. It's just, that right. soundtrack is badass like, and that again was a time where you had that beautiful marriage of music and films yeah. and music videos it just yeah, yeah. I went, sorry um, i'm going on I'm going no, it's I,
0: gonna, <laughs> I just wanted to say that um i went back to um, i went back to listen to the soundtrack on spotify but like half the album is missing off, off the of off spotify yeah. now and i was <laughs> yeah, a bit it's disappointed i was like really i mean like maybe one or two songs but like literally like half the soundtrack was just gone and it was like ugh. Very annoying. Yeah. But
2: yeah. I
0: hate I, had, it. I had, uh, watching it, watching Godzilla back the other day, and I, I finished watching it and I was thinking about it. And I, th- and one of the thoughts that I took away from it was uh, like, it, it felt like Emmerich and Devlin, like, sat down, um, one day and was like, do you know what? I'm really pissed off that we didn't get to make Jurassic Park. I'm mm-hmm. you know like, uh why does Steven, you know have to have you know the biggest movie in the in this decade? you know like I wanted to do a film like that, and like how can we how can we try and do a, a Jurassic Park film of our own, and they kind of like turn to the Godzilla franchise and go, why don't we do a Godzilla film, and then like we could have this big kind of like T Rex dinosaur roaming around New York, and then this Um, We turn it into iguana who can like, you know, um, just lay eggs because it's like, you know, I don't know what the official word is, but
2: asexual.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. You know, they can just produce on their own and then we can have like raptor like baby
2: Godzilla Godzilla things like running amok in, in um are you saying the whole madison square garden sequence remind you of Jurassic park i can't i can't <laughs> figure out how it doesn't it never struck me i won't lie the whole sequence never struck me like just <laughs> no oh okay well, no trust me no. i'm the
0: <laughs> and it just felt that that's just what i felt when i you know i just thought that this was yep. their jurassic park and um just not, the, not as good, obviously, as Jurassic Park. but No. Do, do you think, like, the baby Godzilla, you know, like, enough. I also kind of thought, you know, they're, they're taking attention away from Godzilla itself, and that's what this film is all about. It's all about Godzilla. Um, and yeah. then we have this whole, like, section of the film where it's all these baby Godzillas, and I'm not too sure about that whole segment. I don't know how you feel about that.
2: Even seeing it back in the day and even now, yeah... It, kind of doesn't sit right with me i'm on the fence a little bit i think they're very, very cute it's, it can be quite a fun scene uh, but at the same time yeah like you said it kind of takes you away i mean obviously at that point in the film we assume godzilla's dead at the bottom of the sea you know mm. little do we know um it almost feels like in terms of filmmaking they knew they were struggling to keep doing action sequences where you had this massive behemoth of a you know, monster yeah. that was you couldn't fit in the frame. How much work how much stuff can you do with the human characters with that kind of threat? So they had to have smaller threat that could share the screen better with the human characters. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense in that regard, but yeah, it, it is a bit of a distraction. But I don't necessarily hate it. Mm-hmm. It's just dunno. I mean I have my opinions about Baby Godzilla because if you see the the Toho films, I don't I don't like Baby Godzilla. He is like the scrappy do of Godzilla. I just <laughs> don't have time for him.
0: Sure.
2: Um, I know some people are going to kill me for that, but but yeah, it, it was fine. It didn't outstay its welcome. I think it goes by quicker than what you think, suppose, and then obviously yeah. it leads up to the awesome reveal where you realize, oh, yep, Godzilla is still alive.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I mean, I was hyped as hell in the cinema. I still remember when I was thinking, oh, shit, is this the final act? Is this it? Yeah. They got away from Madison Square Garden. They blew it up. And then when you hear that, you know, the roar, that low grumble, mm. and they realize, wait a second. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and the whole, the whole chase sequence is really, really good. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's a bit goofy in places, but it's cool. Yeah, you know, New York, tech, New York cab gunning yeah. it through the streets.
0: Yeah, again, that reminded me of Jurassic Park. Um, yeah, obviously, where where the T-Rex is chasing after him in the jeep.
2: Just yeah. it just really felt like
0: they they wanted a bit of a, a slice of the Jurassic Park action, but in Godzilla form. Massively, massively. I did enjoy the scene where the helicopters were chasing him. I thought that was quite a cool uh, little yeah. section of the film too. But um,
2: the military does more damage to the city than Godzilla does. Yeah. It's always the way, but.
0: And I think, like, I mean, it has got an underlying message in some ways where it's like, you know, we as humans are probably just as bad as the, as the monster that's trying to kill us, even though the monster wasn't really trying to kill
2: us. Yeah, which, is, kind which is, think. in itself is good. They did kind of, in a way, capture the spirit of the original because it is like, we are, humanity is Godzilla. Yeah. You know, he is the result of what we've done. Mm. And now basically we're paying the price. It's Yeah. But also it's just, study just like
1: how... It's a study oh, of, of animal behaviour. Yeah, exactly. It's like, regardless of if we helped create it at all, it's still behaving as it's evolutionary tuned to behave. Mm-hmm. What, what given right do we have to assume that we are better than it or bigger than it? Like, and that's where the new Jurassic Park films have lost that. <laughs> They've lost that sense of awe. Come on, Chris, Treating there's not been like... a new Dress Park film in 21 years. No, no, that. no, no, it has <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, it's, I never had Michi with Godzilla. I I have very fond memories of the film and go and sit in the cinema and VHS. And and again, as you grow I would grow up, you, you, it's very tropey, but it was a decent, solid movie. It was entertaining. It did what it was supposed to do.
0: Yeah, I mean... It I've, gave I've... you
1: two hours of excitement and a little bit of a message at the end
0: yeah it 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 did what it needed to do it was a bit of a no-brainer hollywood action film but like like it still had the underlying message as you said and i guess that just because it wasn't you know the true you know original godzilla i think that's just what pissed a bit pissed. i think that's just what pissed a, a few people off wasn't it like the Godzilla fans, but
2: mm, yeah, for the general
0: yeah. for the general public, it was it was fine. It was fine.
2: I mean, they kept a lot of traits of Godzilla. You had the dorsal fins on the back. You had the you know screech mm. um, <laughs> roar. You know, it, yeah i I don't have any problems with the with the design of the creature at all. Mm. Like it's not Godzilla, but I think it's a really sweet design. Yeah. Um, even like the animated series that came out like the same year or the following mm. year is really bloody good. Mm. It's genuinely good. I remember watching that before work. <laughs> it used to be on like Live in Kicking as well, didn't it? Yeah, I think. it was it like be... on
1: at like 8 a.m. or something. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll well, watch <laughs> a bit of that.
2: Generally good series. Um, mm. But yeah, I had
0: um, uh, with Godzilla, it was uh, a, fo- uh, a memory of where I used to live in Basildon. We only used to have like a, a two screen cinema in, in the town centre. But it was in this year that we had a whole new retail park built and um as part of this retail park was a new twelve screen UCI cinema. So we we're very excited for this for, for this and the the opening night, the first film that they showed was Godzilla. And nice. I remember go into that opening, and uh, they had the local breakfast DJ there, of course. <laughs> um, my, is he, um, is he now on a register, or is he uh, okay? <laughs> no, no, I think he's all right. <laughs> Sorry. He's, he's still on the radio today, so I think he's all, all right. Um, his name name's Martin Day, and uh, yeah, he, oh, I know him. Uh, he came and he uh, opened the cinema, and then we all got to go in and then watch Godzilla and i remember taking awesome. my mum. Can see that? And uh yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's my cool little memory of, of Godzilla seeing it at the cinema. Mattie Boo on Discord said that Godzilla isn't as bad as people say it is, but no way Damn is right. it a Godzilla movie. However, yeah. i really like the cartoon series that spun off from it. Is he in agreement um, with you on that one, Rich.
2: Yep. And also, i don't know if you've seen um i think came out a, a few years later, i think maybe 2002, 2003 toho did another film uh godzilla final wars Mm -hmm. um basically it's almost like godzilla just going round from country to country just fighting like the who's who of monsters Mm -hmm. and there's a scene um in i think it's in australia in sydney uh godzilla arrives (laughs) and suddenly out of nowhere the godzilla from 1998 movie appears and they have a fight, and Godzilla basically wastes him in about six seconds. Just whips him with a tail, and then just breathes atomic breath on him until he explodes. And that's it. It <laughs> just like, yeah. it's so basically, the Japanese being incredibly passive aggressive and bitchy, like, yeah, fuck off. He's, he's nothing, trash. Yeah. So, and it was actually set to. I think it was actually set to a some forty some forty one song oh, as well, really? playing oh, that's in the background. Yeah, you know, so many things, so many emotions going on during that scene. Yeah, a bit. Like, Sum forty one. Ninety eight Godzilla versus Classic Godzilla. Sweet. And then, yeah, it was it was so quick. It was like a squash match. It was just amazing. So yeah. So he's dead now. Oh
0: so. I was gonna say, like, were you quite annoyed that they never made a sequel to this
2: film? I was yeah, I was hyped as shit when they showed the egg in MSG at the end and I was like, sweet. Yeah, there's always an more. egg. There's always an
1: egg left yeah. over. I had to wait 16
2: years and then it was a complete reboot. And, you know, a <laughs> bloody good reboot of that. Sure. Um, yeah, I was annoyed. I was annoyed. Um, it was one of those films we thought, oh, we'll get a sequel. Never did. Like Independence Day. Yeah. Uh, we, ne- we never did. <laughs> I'd like um, to know,
0: there must be reasons why. I mean, I think it took, uh, it took good enough money in the box office. So I'd like to know. Th- there must be some reasons, obviously, why it never happened.
2: Yeah. I mean on a studio level, I'm sure they would have, but I think maybe Ron Demerick and Dean Devlin, I think they're probably not the types to revisit shit. That's why mm. that's why it always surprised me when they went back to the Independence Day well. Yeah. I was really quite surprised by that. They always seem to just keep doing knocking out a new film each time, another mm. disaster, another disaster, another disaster. Never so that's you know. what
1: I love with Dean Devlin and Ron Demerick, right? They they came straight in from Stargate and were like, Oh yeah. my god, these guys are making these films. <laughs> and that's what I loved about them. They were almost like anthology filmmakers, like each film subsequently was completely different to the previous one, yeah, and then they yeah. got their name for disaster movies, which is a shame because they had a ancient aliens type alternate history movie going with Stargate and then here they come a few years later <coughs> Godzilla, like an Americanized Godzilla. And then after that, it, then it became, they're synonymous with disaster movies like 2012 and the, um, Day After Tomorrow Day after, yeah. and stuff like that. And then, like you said, Rich, just now, like, then they started revisiting old themes and old tropes. You're like, no, just come up with a new concept. I think they 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 I think they fell out, didn't they?
2: Yeah, they definitely went in separate ways, but didn't they come yeah. back together for res- Regurgents?
1: Yes, they did, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, way to Which is it. a shame because <laughs> things like, you know, Stargate and it's just, I think, one of their crowning achievements visually and thematically is an amazing film. The same with all their others. And then to do these kind of anthology films, that's what they need to do. They need to just brush whatever Independence Day sequel was. Just fucking. Ugh. Godzilla, yeah. I haven't watched it in a, a fair few years, but I've seen it so often. Like all three of these films. I'm just like. You pretty much know it verbatim, don't you? Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I I haven't seen this film in years, and it was really I was really happy to you know, have a um, a reason to rewatch it again for the podcast, and I was really happy that that I did rewatch it, and and, and it was enjoyable. I enjoyed it. So, Good. Um, Steven Spielberg tried to talk Emmerich out of making the film because uh, probably because he saw it was like trying to make Jurassic Park, but. <laughs> um, Considering it a silly idea for Hollywood to try and remake Godzilla. Spielberg later told Entertainment Weekly that he didn't bother to see the film, stating the only Godzilla I saw was the one with Raymond Burr. I purposely stayed away from seeing Tri-Stars Godzilla because I didn't want to get any I didn't want to get anything between me and my memory of my favourite Godzilla movie of all time. So, so
2: Steven, why did you do Mecha Godzilla and that? chunk of shit movie Ready Player One eh? so some fan you are <laughs> hey Steve hey right, and why terrible. did you
1: completely rip it off in The Lost World <laughs> on, yeah Jurassic I'll take i take 10 right. Godzilla 98
2: over one frame of that puke chunk of a movie yeah let's so. put the T-Rex
1: in San Diego and like really and even have one of someone scream yeah. Godzilla at the camera I was like really yeah, okay where are we going with this righto um, and there and then, to quite, there we have the downfall of the Jurassic Park movies from that moment on.
0: In a, in a television interview, Matthew Boderick said that the entire cast were given wetsuits to wear underneath their costumes while fil- filming in Hawaii. He was upset because his wetsuit zipped up at the back, which made it difficult to put on every day. One day during a break in filming, he was talking with co-star Hank Azara, who had his shirt off, revealing a wetsuit that zipped up at the front. Broderick remarked, oh, oh your no wetsuit way. zips up <laughs> at the front. Puzzled, Azara said, that they're, they're all zip up in the front. Bro- Broderick had been putting his wetsuit on backwards every day. To be fair, that's probably something I would do too, so <laughs> I'm with him. Yeah. I'm yeah. with him. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Released on the 17th of July 1998 with a budget of $130 million... It took in worldwide three hundred and seventy-nine million.
2: Ooh, that's low.
0: Yeah, is it low? I suppose.
2: Well, let's say you get to make about three times to break even when like you factor in promotional marketing costs. So, okay, that's not great. I mean, mm. geez.
0: Maybe that's why they well, didn't make you a like second that.
2: then. Yeah, yeah, that's. It's not terrible. It's not you know, Ghostbusters aren't for the cool money, <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's not much better. <laughs>
0: Okay, cool. Well, let's get into our next movie. Uh, Chris, which film did you pick for 1998?
1: It is the X-Files' first foray into cinema, before it was called A Fight the Future.
0: For years, the world has seen reality distorted. Facts manipulated and truth hidden. But there's even more to the story than anyone has ever suspected. Because no one has been able to see the whole picture. Until now. Mulder? Cherish the past. Enjoy the present,
2: because the truth is coming.
1: I don't even know when that... Um that subtitle happened. When did that even become a thing? I don't know. Because it's just it was just and I, I've, I've even got somewhere in my collection a cutting from a magazine that just says DX files.
0: Yeah, but when I searched that, it on IMDB for uh, to research some of the stuff for it, it just it's just called cool, the X files.
1: Yeah, but there seemed to be this subtitle over the past decade or so, or maybe even longer. It's called Fight the Future, but I don't remember it ever having that kind of thing underneath the title until recently. I could be mistaken, yeah. so. No, on the no, I think you're definitely right. I think, I think it was without a subtitle at one point, and then
2: I don't know if it's when. Oh, yeah, I do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who knows? The only thing I can think of is it was it was when DVDs became popular, and to distinguish it from the box sets and the TV movies. Yeah. It was given that kind of like fight the future. I mean, I'm not gonna this lie. I'm fucking
2: confused in Disney Plus trying to separate this from the series and yeah, I, I wanted to as well. I, was I was like, like why does
1: <laughs> Yeah, I was like, why is this starting the movie? Like, I wanted to show.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, I was like so confused. It just blends in. So... Yeah, that's
1: why I thought I'd mention it because I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Any, anyone knows anything? Just hit us up, message us. But um, yeah, I have fond memories now. You're looking at 97, 98. I was probably one of the biggest X-Files junkie you could ever want to know (laughs) in this time. And then to find out that they were making a film because it was so damn popular, I couldn't have been happier. You know, it was... It came along at the right time because my mum... Well, just because it was like the fandom was at its biggest, mm-hmm. I think, yep. before it started to die off. And David Duchovny found other things to do and other people to do. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, <laughs> it, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> that was a deep um, cut, though, wasn't it? Um, it was, I think because we got the X-Files a couple of years after, the Ameri- after America, especially us who didn't have satellite. Ah, uh, busy day. And my mum introduced me to the X Files because she she was up late one night and she said, Oh, yeah, it must have been like a week later and she started recording them. And I was like, the X Files And this is this this kids was before the internet, before cell phones that we know now. You couldn't just have everything in the palm of your hand in your pocket. I didn't know what the X Files was. So I remember going to my you know I had like SFX magazine and TV, was it TV Zone and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I went through a couple of issues and I was like, The X-Files debuts in the UK and I found it. And I was hooked from then on. My mum used to record them late at night. And then, what was it, 1998. So when the film was announced, we were still, we hadn't seen up to the point where the film picks up from.
0: Yeah, cuz it's in between series 5 and series 6, isn't it? This happens yes. the film.
1: Yeah. And I remember me and my mum this is, I, I, this sounds really weird. It was a family thing. Me and my mum were really into the X-Files and it was like a it was a bonding thing. Every family has them. We my dad wasn't around. You know, he'd gone 2 years no, about 3 or 4. Yeah, about 2 a year or two before the X-Files Um, came over here. And they were releasing the VHSs of DX files before BBC Two were airing them.
0: Oh, they did the same with Star Trek, because that's how I used to consume Star Trek, by buying the VHSs.
1: Yeah, and Stargate SG-1 was the same. We Hmm. didn't have satellite until... Weirdly, we... (laughs) I don't know if Rich remembers this, my mum took satellite TV out in August of uh, 2001. So sad. Yeah. And it's very poignant that, you know, it should be the anniversary of, like two days ago. And I remember I used to have Rich Run, didn't I? Didn't we? You sit and just watch Sky TV. like... We did. Yeah. Washington
2: day. Sniper, make some chips. Like,
1: all day. <laughs> and we, we happened to have the day off Sixth Form when a Washington Sniper happened. And we're like, what the fuck? It was 24. 24- and I'd never experienced stuff like that in my life. Never. It was all new to me. It was like giving a child the internet. Like, there you go. Everything's here, and then we bought the VHSs, and so, like, we had, we we bought the TV movies that were the legacy episodes oh, edited yeah. into the, one feature length.
2: Yeah, Tunguska and was it, eight eight yeah. five two seven one and
1: eight two five seven yeah. one and Master Plan and f- like all that kind of stuff, and Master Plan was the one that led. Into so the film These plot threads With the, the bees And the clones Of Mulder's sister And all the other people And and Yeah We bought the VHS's And we watched them And Then Like prepare, Almost preparing For the film And We went to see it And like A lot of my friends Were big X-Files fans as well So we went as a Kind of group Of people From where we used to live On the Um a nice little community we had, it was was quite nice actually. uh, We went to see it and it's a very slow, talky movie. And I said it in a good way, I don't mean it's boring, I mean that it respected X-Files fans to a point where it wasn't afraid to be something it wasn't.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, The X-Files is a very talky show, it's a very cerebral, very thinky show, it respects the audience's intelligence. Even though it can be tropey, even though it can be paint by numbers, which this film it very <laughs> is very paint by numbers and tropey and hits all the right points in the right order.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the X-Files, isn't it? You know it's going to yeah. be a, a complicated plot story that they're going to try and yeah. show you. And but of course it's way... going to be a, a, a slow build-up, but I, I would say that I never felt bored.
1: No. That's with, what I mean. It's, it. it throws you in. And when you are when you've watched so many movies and, like... I noticed it the other year when I watched it. Um, I think when Disney first first bought when I bought Fox and uploaded them I was like straight on that I was like boom X-Files marathon. <laughs> and I was struck yeah. by how note by note movie scripted it was. You had the setup. You had the main characters with their like mini epic introductions. Yeah. You had the bomb threat in the first 5 minutes of the film. You had the setup Uh, 30,000 years in our past in what was Texas right so you had the ancient aliens thing within the first five minutes of the movie set up for you this is 30,000 years ago this is in Texas this is is Neanderthal man in contact with these aliens cut to present day kids discover Neanderthal cave Texas is now pretty much a desert (laughs) and not ice covered at all and it sets it up, and then you've got the bomb threat, and then you've got the, you know, you've got the MacGuffin, and you've got all of those tropes are just they're hitting the right marks at the right times. And it's, but when you when you when you give it the X Files veneer, and you throw in all of the the legacy stuff, because you could you could watch the X Files, but episode, it's episodic. You don't need to know what's going on. You can choose not to follow the legacy stuff. But that's what I loved the TV movies where they edited them into feature lengths where you could just skip all the filler episodes and just watch the legacy stuff, fill in the gaps. And that's what we did. We bought these VHSs and we were all clued up, went to the film and I was, I, it was the quickest two hours of a film. But I think because I was such an X-Files obsessed person at this point in the 90s, I would, no, seriously, it was magazines, comic books, you name it, I, I was all over it. Then when you have your favorite TV show be allowed to become a film, that's when it's that tr- it's that joke, isn't it? You know your you know your fandoms made it when they have a movie made out of your yeah. TV show. And that's what happened. Now I I felt that sense of awe that say Star Trek fans would have done in 1979 where their favorite TV show finally becomes a movie series. Mm. And that's what I felt with this. I was like finally we've we've been loyal to the X-Files. We've watched these people grow and be knocked back and come back up again. All these conspiracy theories, all these aliens and time travel and all this cool stuff. And I, oh my God, it's a movie.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a weird I mean, feeling. And yeah, I haven't I mean, had it a, since. Yeah.
2: I mean, this is obviously a time as well before, you know, prestige television where Ugh. TV shows feel like films. I mean, that's what I enjoyed about watching it again, even now. I mean, never mind the fact what it was like in 1998, but this was a time where you felt that separation between TV and film. Yeah, so it when looked you got stunning. It, it looked completely yeah, different. It, <laughs> it looks different. Even the actors, they kind of look different because they've got slightly different wardrobe, better
1: wardrobe, better mm-hmm. makeup.
2: It just looks more... Different film, then, I guess, yeah. isn't it? They? And...
1: They've got movie yeah. hair and movie filters. Yeah. And... Yeah, slow exactly. motion helicopter shots yeah you see the front <laughs> of the building just get detonated by a bomb it's yeah. like and you
2: can tell that everything they're shooting isn't in Vancouver it's like yes. <laughs> right. yeah, it's like oh this is on location <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah it's just it's such a good feeling I mean there's probably a multitude of examples I can think of for TV becoming films like you know I think of the Power Rangers movie that was like mm-hmm. oh this isn't the TV show Is now you would be able to separate them a little bit less because so much more goes into television. Mm. Yeah. I'm not saying Power Ranger's Dino Storm is prestige television, it's clearly not. But <laughs> yeah, the film would always look better. But yeah. If X Files was on now, you wouldn't be able to separate it from a film that was released the same year. It, no, the T V shows are so
1: cinematic. Yeah. Like look at what they're doing now with you know, Strange New Worlds is my most recent example. It looks stunning. In fact, yeah. TV or streaming shows look better than some most, some films that you go to see in cinema.
0: That is true, yeah. yeah. I mean I have heard I've heard rumours of like Stranger Things becoming, you know, the expending the world of Stranger Things and maybe making films from it. But it won't Stranger have that is kind absurd. of it kind of ha- couldn't have that kind of same impact as say the X Files film because we would just feel like if they opened it in cinemas, we'd just feel like we're going to see the TV show because they can't really do anything to make it feel different to what we yeah. would no. watch on the TV. Whereas this- you, you said about this, this film, you know, and, and it, felt, it felt a little bit like I was just watching the X-Files on the telly, but there were, there were differences. Uh, even yeah. now, when I watched it back on Saturday, I could still feel a difference between watching that and watching a normal TV oh. episode. Yeah, yeah so the scoring's
1: you know, different, everything. It's just Yeah, Mark yeah. Snow was given this amazing orchestral opportunity rather than using like synths and keyboards and like stuff, uh, he actually was able to create his lovely brooding score. And when he listened to it without the film, the score's amazing. Mm. Mm.
0: I did I think... really I did really appreciate the um the, the, the X Files theme being mixed into you know yes, a long piece through, of music.
1: Yeah. And it almost it almost works as like a mid-late to an action piece.
0: Mm.
1: Like when they're running across the snow or they're... It's just... You don't think of the theme like that. You just see... You hear the opening theme and all the way through the show, you always hear this like synth kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Inter- uh-huh, uh-huh. Inter- weave it all the way through the score. It's just a nice little touch. But this going back to the whole different from... Like, I wasn't a big Star Trek fan... When generations came out so I missed that kind of that gap mm. now if you compare it to Star Trek Next Generation yes Star Trek came Next Generation came on the coattails of the original series movies so I wasn't around I don't think any of us were around for the original series film the motion picture in
0: 1979 No, that was born.
1: right so yeah I nah. nah. Else, nah. But, but you know <laughs> but, yeah, yeah to, to experience something that you love Go from obscurity to this massive thing, so much so that a movie studio goes, "Yeah, you got a movie." Now, when you watch the first Star Trek movie next to the original series, you think to yourself, "It's two completely different things," and it is. Mm-hmm. Two completely, the motion picture looks absolutely stunning. You can just you can mute it and just watch the visuals. The same with Next Generation. You watch star trek generations yes they're filming this is where my my tangent is going they're filming on the same sets and the same sets but they are lit and painted and dressed cinematically and they look beautiful now to see the x-files using the same sets such as skinner's office and the locations lit cinematically very moody and it just it pops and i think also what what makes you a bit disjointed as well is the the cast that you have in this film, it is so far, it is, it's the same animal, but it's also so different. You have Martin Landau, you have Blythe Danner <laughs>
2: mm.
1: in this film. They would never yeah. be in the show. <laughs> no. <laughs> and That's what is separating it. And like only later on in the Exiles run would it attract these big stars, like Michael McKeon would turn up in two or three episodes. Mm. But I think without the movie, with the if the movie didn't happen, would you have those big actors in the show in its final say three or four seasons? Yeah. Would it yeah, attracted these true. big actors? I don't know. But it just it, it just pops, and you yeah. have this lovely character. It's a lovely character story between Mulder and Scully. Yeah. Yeah. Where they it's just basically following them on this essential wild goose chase. There's a, you know, the bomb was a cover-up for an archaeological find that was in the building that was still found. And then they traced it all the way back to Texas to this site, and then the site was covered up, and then it turns out it's aliens. And this is what I mean, the X-Files always went out of its way to not show you the alien. And this is what I noticed with this film. The film version, it has to show you stuff because it's a film made for everyone, not just X-Files fans. Yeah. So you see the alien in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah. It attacks the man. You then see it again, and then you see it a third time and a fourth time, and then you see the aliens in the the pods when Mulder injects the um, uh, antivirus cure thing. You see them again, and they go full on horror film. Don't know when the alien attacks the scientist yeah. guy, and you're like, she's cool. I think in a way by it's quite clever because it does the whole cut so it doesn't show the whole alien but i think it's a movie you have to i think you're contractually obliged to show things that <laughs> you wouldn't normally it just works and you have this lovely thing where they, they get closer and closer as characters as they get closer and closer to finding out what's going on and you get that famous kiss scene and then she's stung by a bee. And the lone gunman make a cameo and they smuggle him out of the hospital so he can go and find her. It's always little scenes that have to be put in there. and I don't know, it Just it it doesn't mean a lot to me as a lot of films do. But I think I was, at that time of my life, to experience one of my favourite shows becoming a major motion picture for the first time. I think it still has that hold on me. What do you
0: think about the whole like Mulder and Scully kissing kind of scene. It was done Do you for the film. think it was necessary?
1: It was done for the film because audiences are stupid and they need <laughs> the protagonists to be romantically involved yeah. or have a bromance.
2: But it's upping the stakes, that's, upping the That's, you know, yeah, just make that's it the only reason it
1: happened and it probably would never have happened in the show. But, it but because it happened, Chris Carter had to keep going with it in the show when mm, it came back.
0: Yeah, but it's... I mean, like with with the I don't know. Maybe looking at it from like a general audience perspective, maybe, but like for people who watched, I mean, we don't need we don't need that kind of high stakeness. We we know we're already like if something happens to Mulder or Scully, then we're going to be quite devastated. Um, or or the tensions will be quite high in dangerous places with those characters. Uh, yeah, I was just, oh, no, don't do it, no, mm, you know, like, it was just, that, that scene was just like, no, I don't need this. I don't need to see these people getting together and, you know, obviously going forward. But yeah, it, it, it
1: works just, better. That, I hate the whole will, they won't they, trope mm, and crowd.
0: Especially when you've gone so long in the TV show where the majority of the time, I mean, they have not really shown any kind of sexual attraction between each other.
1: No, none at all, you know. But- it was one of those things that, were like, oh well, let's just have them kiss anyway. Yeah. Mm. I and mean, like, I think as like a thirteen or fourteen year old, I didn't quite understand films as much at that point as to why oh, they would yeah. do certain yeah. things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess and, at, at that kind of age, and you're like, oh yeah, go on, you know, two of my favourite characters are going to get together, maybe, you know, it was probably quite exciting. But I, I don't know. Looking back as an adult, you just see in a different light, I guess.
1: Yeah, but. The, I think also the clever way Chris Carter did it as well, or the director, was it Rob Bowman, who directed mm-hmm. quite a few X yep. episodes, so it was a, maybe it was a choice by Carter or the director or anyone. The kiss became a plot point where Scully was stung. Yeah, yeah. But then the bee was on her for a while, so why did it sting her at that point? It's one of those things, it's a plot hole, isn't it? Like, why is this a yeah. thing? It's yeah, I mean, a thing. fan and he wants to yeah. respect cinema. You know, I don't want this <laughs> yeah. lowest common denominator bullshit. Yeah. Like, I'm going to see because it is. Yeah. And you, you have to have the the romantic scene in the trailer because people will go, oh, oh, look at that, espionage thriller and cover ups and governments and 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 bees and let's go and see the that. He wants then. to
2: preserve the integrity of the characters. Yeah, you know? it's, it's,
1: it's a good exactly. Bee.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, Rich, do you have any uh, form of, of the film? Mate? Um, I, like Chris, I remember being excited for this when it came out for pretty much all the same reasons. Even then, I I appreciated and I was interested in the process of, you know, TV to film, the way it would translate, the way it looked in terms of, you know, the film, the quality of it. It, it. Every little bit, it was just, yeah, I was obsessed with the process. And I rented this, I think, on VHS back when it came out to rent and I was obviously enthralled Mm -hmm. but going back to it I'm not going to lie I wasn't like the biggest fan and I'm the kind of person that I'm not always about I'll just make it bigger make it better it's a film but I felt it kind of um, tied itself too much to the show I didn't kind of necessarily like how much it felt like it was a bridge between seasons that it wasn't just and I'm gonna say it, I really wanted it to be more of a monster of the week kind of affair, like mm. um I Want to Believe was. I've always enjoyed those stories more, I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I actually like and I actually prefer I want to believe over this. I I love massive story arcs, you know, I love that stuff. Look no further than me and modern Doctor Who. I'd yeah. rather take those episodes whenever they used to come around over forty five minutes throw away. Next one, next one, next one, storytelling. But yeah, I, I kind of wish they just did something a bit separate, removed. Hell, you could just say safer, to
1: be honest. But that's, yeah, what, that's we got. what they did. They, in a way, painted themselves into a corner where the trailer is very misleading. And then you mm. go in there and you think to yourself, well, I don't know what's going on in any of this. Who are these old guys that are meeting in this stuffy old place yeah. with these varnished wood walls? Like mm. it's said but it's never explained. You just assume that you need to know and like Rich said, it would have worked I think looking at looking back at it now as a as a teenager or whatever, I was clued up on the X Files, so I saw it as yeah. a very extent an extension of the show, whereas I've never even spoken to people who haven't been fans of it and mm. see it as more of a companion piece. Yeah. I'd be interested to go back and look at reviews of people who had not seen an episode of the X Files. But mm-hmm. like Rich said, it tied itself too much to the law. Whereas it would
0: it would have been a good opportunity, a great opportunity like to to, to do a Monster of the Week and show people who haven't jumped into the X Files what it what it's about at the beginning, you know, and what yeah. and what it could and be. And I think
1: what Chris Carter was also tapping into was at the time it was you know, early days of the internet that we know it today, so it was all conspiracies, conspiracies, and we're not being told this, and uh, we didn't do that. And, it's like, and I think it was it relied too much on the tropiness of crackpots and yeah that kind that kind of setup. And mm. I'm trying to think of an X. If anyone can think of an X Files episode that they would rather see as a film adaptation than what we had Tombs, in 1998. Tombs, <sighs> Tombs, yes, would have been fantastic. <sighs> I darkness falls would have worked quite nicely. Yeah, or anything like that. That kind of like, that kind of like bridging on horror, but you have the two agents trying to solve it, and then. I don't know. I think I think firing out a movie bang smack in the middle of a few seasons of a show. Yeah. It wasn't so much an adaptation as, like I said, a companion piece. Yeah. It could be a bad idea, and also a good idea at the same time for publicity but a yeah. bad idea because the show is so well established that
0: I mean I guess it, if they did do a movie of the week uh, sorry monster of the week then may not necessarily have had the plot holes that this, that the yeah. film did have <laughs> you know like I, I I watched it back and like one minute they're in the Arctic and then boom they're like back in Washington wherever they are and I was like
1: yeah, at the close of the film. Yeah, that sort of. I was like, how, does, how the hell did in, they get out of that
0: situation? You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 one of those you know travel at the speed of plot moments, isn't it? Like, mm. yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's one of those, but then I think, I think back to, if you think about X Files, was one of the first shows to, almost work with the um, story arc storytelling. The, the season-long arc, if you will. And I think Star Trek translated better to the screen from TV because it was always episodic. So you could do a villain of the week or an alien of the week and it would work Yeah. in a film because you could upscale the budget and get m- massive actors to come in and play the villain of the piece. And it's been the same ever since Ralph Khan. And I think... With the X Files, it's so bogged down in the story arc that it loses itself somewhat. Mm. If yeah. I'm being honest, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's Grief. too it's too intertwined. Even if you did do a monster of the week story, there still be people going, "Well, who are these people?" Because <laughs> it doesn't even explain it for the audience who don't know what the X Files is.
2: Yeah, it's a trouble.
0: It's a it's it's a trouble in problem for any movie coming from a tv show isn't it you've got to please the general population but then you've also got to please the diehard fans as well because you know if if there's certain characters in in there or you know this isn't there and that those people will be upset and then but you've still got to make it um accessible for people who don't know the show as well to make make it um, a success in the box office. It's a very hard joking yeah. act, I can believe, yeah, yeah. With, with any yeah. kind of TV to movie uh, adaption.
2: So uh, you know, yeah, they they, flood I, the uh, flood all the flood message boards and uh, AOL chats with their, their <laughs> yeah. anger and yeah. rage. So yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, it's like it's like for instance, like the new Quantum Leap show that's coming out. Like the amount of I didn't realize how toxic fan bases could be everywhere.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't think blood. of right, right. You don't
1: think of Quantum Leap as having a toxic fan base, but Jesus Christ, some of the stuff <laughs> I've seen is it because he's Asian on yeah. Twitter and st- And I'm like, what? Really? Like, oh my God! Like the show hasn't even aired an episode, and you guys are jumping oh, down yeah. each other's throats. Everyone's Just very judgmental. You know. That's sad. Fuck out. Yeah. Right. And everyone's and like, oh, like, oh, you no, can't replace them. Like, they're not they... replacing them. Yeah, they, they
0: see, and then when they actually see the show or play the video game, they're like, shut up because, like, they've got nothing to argue for because, actually, it's not as bad as they thought it was going to be. No. <laughs> like,
2: you know. Has just... yeah, anyone used the word woke yet? I'm sure they have.
0: Mm. <laughs> well, let, let's leave the, uh, the toxic people alone, shall we?
2: We've
1: <laughs> um, got a few more days until the first episode. I'm kind of excited. Sure. Me too. Sure. It's a, it's a sequel show. It's not a reboot. They're not... Deleting everything.
0: No, because he's looking for this, Sam Beckett, isn't he?
1: Yeah, or or they're interested in what they're trying to... I think they're trying to unlock what makes... Like, what happened. But no one knows anything because the first episode hasn't goddamn aired yet. So <laughs> when everyone stop <laughs> Exactly,
0: yeah.
2: ...being assholes to each other... Sam Beckett's working in the old folks' home. You know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. So yeah, sweeping that. the floor. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, it's canon It's, it's canon, canon. I, I, I love, I love that cameo. It was the most batshit crazy idea they've ever done. It's like it's fucking cannon. Fuck. <laughs> and he's like, "What the hell's a quantum leap?" <laughs> oh.
0: Well, one more thing oh, okay. I just wanted to mention about the X-Files movie, and um, I did appreciate the the scene where oh. um, Mulder has to go for a pee outside the bar and he um, oh, pees up the Independence Day poster. Oh, God.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> howled when I saw that. I howled. Probably one of the, should, of the best parts of the They show film. it twice, don't they, where he's <laughs> yeah. just taking a pee and it just zooms in on the poster and then zooms out too. Sure, yeah. And then, the other guy takes a pee up against the same poster. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? I did. Li- I did like
0: that touch. I did. I did, yeah, that I did think that was pretty good. But Gillian Anderson's least favorite aspect of the shoot was the sequence where Mulder and Scully are running through a field of cornstalks. As she was running behind the much taller David Duchovny, she kept getting smacked in the face by the leaves. Aww. <laughs> bless her. Oh, um, so tiny,
2: bless her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the
0: end of the scene with the chasing of the white trucks, Mulder and Scully have a talk. The cuts show Mulder talking by the roadside had lights in the background that needed to be removed in post production. Twenty four frames per second at about a thousand dollars per frame. Chris Carpenter Whew. on the commentary admits this twenty five thousand dollar second mistake in filming was a bad one.
1: <laughs>
2: Ooh, ouch. <laughs> Oh. Released on the That's
0: 21st um, of August of 1998 With a budget of 66 million dollars It uh, took in 189 million worldwide
2: It's weird, you always think that these things are like a cultural phenomenon You just expect it to fucking blow up at the box mm-hmm. office you know, Make like 400, 500 million but mm. Incredibly modest Yeah
0: Well, I mean, yeah. this is all, you know, according to IMDB So, mm. you know, take it with a pinch of salt, I guess Um, and let's just jump into the last film that we're going to talk about on this episode and that is my pick and that is of course The Truman Show
1: 30 years
2: ago the Omnicam Corporation created the ultimate reality based television experience
1: The Truman Show beginning with the child's birth they set out to document an entire human life every single moment broadcast live to the world they created
2: his hometown of Sea Haven, all of it completely enclosed within the dome of the Truman stage. Cue the sign. And even though the Truman Show has become an international phenomenon, Truman himself has never learned the true nature of the world around him.
1: Truman! It's television! Yes!
2: Despite some close calls, every aspect of his life has been carefully scripted and meticulously crafted. But the one thing no one could predict was who Truman Burbank would grow up to be. Good morning,
1: morning. Oh, and
0: in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.
2: <laughs> I hereby proclaim this planet, Trumania, of the Burbank galaxy. Truman. I
1: love honor you.
0: now um i was originally going to pick the big lebowski for for my pick of two of 1998 but um when rich mentioned it in the whatsapp because it was going to be his original pick so i stole it from him and uh because i saw it and i started thinking about it a little bit more and and Although The Big Lebowski is an amazing film, I think The Truman Show kind of... I think I just had a lot more to say about The Truman Show than I would about The Big Lebowski. Yeah. And uh, and when I thought about it, it was like... It was the first time that we kind of saw Jim Carrey kind of doing mostly serious acting. Yeah. And it was it was a great platform for him to show that he's not just this kind of like goofy comedic actor you know who can seem to bend in ways in which people shouldn't but um, so I think that's one of the memories I took from the film looking back at it and like he did an amazing job and and, that, and I think that's why I kind of wanted to pick this film because I really just wanted to talk about that in, in on itself and not just on the film as well but just on Jim Carrey's acting and like he did such a great job Like, showing people that he can actually be more than what he had been previously. Indeed. And, of course, that the whole idea of this Truman Show thing. And, like, I suppose in 1998, reality TV wasn't around when we didn't really know much about that at all. And all that was still to come. And this was kind of like a taste of things to come for us in some ways. Maybe not on the grand scale of the Truman Show, but, you know, we've had many... Uh, different weird reality shows in the past twenty odd years since the Big Brother started, and it, I, I think watching it back today, and like I think it's more relevant now than it was in 1998. And I don't know; it made me feel like what what lengths would I, would the would us that we would go to um, to for entertainment. I guess, because I think that was one of the more powerful parts of Jim Carrey's acting was, like, he really made you feel sorry for him. Like, yeah. he he really made you think about his life in this kind of fake world. And, like, like you just felt really sorry that this person had been put in this situation and he didn't even know. Like, like the, the whole premise is like, oh, we're just going to follow this person throughout his life from baby to whenever. And, um, but then they started to like fabricate his life. They started mm-hmm. to like push him more towards, you know, like Evelyn his his wife instead of to uh Sylvia, who he really obviously fancied and wanted to be with, um, and other such things to, to, uh, help keep the ratings going and make it more exciting for the viewer and such. And yeah, and then when I'm watching the film as well and I'm looking at the people watching the TV, I felt a little bit, why are you watching this <laughs> kind of thing? You know, like you're watching this person. It's kind of like watching this person being, I don't know, like he's suffering in some ways, like he's being caged um, and stuff. And I, I, all these thoughts going through my head and like watching it now as an adult, it's just, it's such a more much more powerful film than I ever remembered it to yeah. be.
2: I think and, it's just more relevant now than it ever was even then when it was came out because yeah. of how much more reality TV has <laughs> exploded and people watching stuff that deep down, I think they know it's not real. Are you watching, like, Dark Dynasty or some of the Kardashians? You know it's so fabricated, but people sure. watch it and they hoover it up like it is <laughs> a fly on the wall. And it's mm. like, it, it's just, yeah,
1: why do you watch it? But... And also, it could be a commentary on social media. Now, I've completely taken a backseat with social media the past two years, as you guys know. Like, I just couldn't deal with it. I was just like, I came off of everything. And the amount of things that people share and then things like Facebook will then share their data or whatever and then Google is doing the same shit is very similar because we know more about people's lives that we don't even know just through their social media just through what you see on Twitter Instagram Facebook or all the other social platforms it's kind of the same thing people are just addicted to things that other people are doing and they're not mm. it's weird yeah it's so weird <laughs>
0: but that's and this
1: film is that <laughs> I
0: mean as a as a kid or, or a teenager when I watched it it was it was oh cool this is a cool concept for a film uh, and, you know, and I enjoyed it for what it was, I, uh, you know, Oh cool. They're, they're following this guy's life. And, uh, Oh yeah. That, that made for an interesting film. And like, he finds out that he's, um, you know, in this fake world and everything, and he escapes, but watching it back today, it was just like so, just so much more powerful to me than it ever has been before. Um, but I mean, it's such a clever film and like the way that they filmed it and everything else was, was fantastic. And, um, the way that the mostly the most of the film was like they were using the hidden cameras that the viewer would see so it really kind of yeah. helped you go into the world and mm. this kind of like whole like I don't know it was a bit of a 1960s kind of vibe going to to the,
2: that really saccharine kind of pleasant feel everything <coughs> just love white yeah. aesthetic. Aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. I love that aesthetic everything's
1: I love very aesthetic for this film yeah I mean um, this film yeah. is a favourite in our house we kind of watch it maybe once a year um, My Other Half she, lo- she likes it and we both like it and it's it's showing what Jim Carrey would do with Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind and it's it's that systematic what I like about it is that systematic breakdown of structure because everything's working fine until someone plants it in his head that it might not be because I think he, he starts seeing things or hearing things that he shouldn't be
0: It's like Like right at the beginning of the film, like a a spotlight falls down out of the sky, and then like they try and cover it up by it being like um, something's falling out of an airplane that flew over the town.
1: And Um, it's all becomes clear when he keeps saying, You you know, you're, you're, you're scared of water, you can't go across water. And he's like, Yeah, okay. And he starts doing that whole, If I must, I must. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, What I love is when you watch that systematic breakdown of structure. Where you can plan for everything apart from things that you don't see coming, because they're all, yeah. all the actors and producers and stagehands are so complacent with routine that when that routine is broken, it is Freak a out. snowball and it just breaks apart. And well, you see,
0: that, that was a good example is like the bus driver because he wants he gets a bus ticket to Chicago. And yeah. like he gets on the bus, and then the bus driver's going, I don't know what to do.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't know how to drive this bus. And like he's well, like he grinding in, he the gears, the, and he's yeah. and then eventually like he just blows it <laughs> up or whatever. And it's like, oh, we can't go to Chicago. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Everyone off the bus. You know.
1: And when he goes into the um, because like they're they're so used to his routine of what he does at what a certain time, because they've literally they've honed him since a child. To do these things routinely, and then he breaks that routine and goes to book a holiday. Just goes into book. Is it a holiday agent, isn't it? And she's got. Yeah, he
0: wanted to uh, go to got, Fiji. Yeah, she's got that makeup
1: guard on her costume. Where they were, and she's like, "What's going on?" And uh, but she couldn't get the prompts from the people backstage or off set because they didn't know what was going on themselves. And then you just see that systematic. Complete and utter shutdown of everything, and then that's where Truman's starting to go. Why would you say that? or why would I? Why would I remember it this way? And this memory's not real. It's just, you know, what are these photographs of? Like, he it, it starts piecing it together. And it's just a lovely study of kind of captivity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's quite weird when you look at it and you think to yourself. Do do animals go through this? (laughs) Because they might, but that's the power (laughs) of this (laughs) film. Like,
0: it 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 makes you ask these kind of questions. And I I never, and I think that's the biggest surprise to me when I rewatched it was I didn't expect to have these kind of questions when I walked away from watching this film. And I even had the questions of like, like where the dad comes back. Like, yeah, and I think the fair. actor mm. breaks into the set or whatever, and he was trying to tr- tell him or whatever. Mm. But it, I put myself in his shoes and thinking like, but well, this actor must have taken care of Truman for like for f- through his childhood.
1: Yeah, he's teasing then, him as an actual real son. Yeah,
0: and then he uh, then gets written out of the show because they need it to be dramatic and like wants wants to give Truman this fear of water so he doesn't think about leaving this town. Um, so so they drown the father. And it's, uh, you know, and that means the actor has to leave. But that actor, you know, has 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 brought up Truman. He must have emotional connections yeah. to him now, and yeah. everything else. And I, like, I put myself in his shoes and thinking, my God, you know, what what kind of emotional ride has he been on, and and stuff like well, that.
1: It's put it this way: ask ask anyone you know that have adopted a child, sure, and say, have you watched a Truman Show? Yeah. And it's the same energy of that actor. who's like, Do you know what? I need to tell him what's going on because you can't treat human beings like this. And that's what I said. Like, but we, but we treat animals. We treat birds, elephants, tigers. Like, does an elephant go through the same stuff as Truman? I suppose a bit of balance on this ball now, and I get a, I get a peanut or a banana. You know, it's crazy. It's but you, crazy. you don't think about that. Because you think to yourself, "Oh, we're living a normal free will," like, and do, but do we have free will? Is mm. free will an illusion? And this is what this film asks, and kind of answers that some people don't mm. it, until yeah. it's too late, or until they have to find out the hard way. And what I love about it is the, the Ed Harris's character is portrayed through the whole film as this bureaucrat, capitalism. We need viewers. We need drama. Intrigue, all of that. But at the end, you realised that he's a nice guy who cares for Truman a great deal.
2: That's the only thing I didn't like about, one thing it's, I didn't like
1: about that old Christoph it's weird. character, I didn't it's like very when he tried weird. to kill him.
2: He, didn't yeah. like, he tried to kill him at the end. That, to me, that kind of still bothers me today. Mm. It felt like it didn't quite gel with the character they were building up. He never seemed that callous, like, I must kill no. my creation, I must, he can't leave. Like, I never quite got his motivation for that. But at least it ended on a nice note.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. And like, I was quite frustrated in some ways. You know, I really, I would really love to see what Truman thought of the real world. I yeah. just would love to have followed him as that character and just to see his amazement or frustrations or what whatever uh, would to come emotionally from him walking through that door and in, on onto the set. And like
1: But I I like the ending as it is. Like Yeah. I mean like, would, you, would you change the ending to Monsters Inc.? Oh god
0: I no. Would you that film. Would, would you <laughs> would you want
1: to see it from Sully's point of view when they him and Boo TV. sit down and and she <laughs> she fills him in on you know, what she's been up to while he's been gone. Yes. It's that ambiguous ending where you're just like, Come in Truman, we have a lot to talk about. It's a lovely ending. Yeah, it is yeah it, um, it's just my fascination time, it's my
0: it's my wonder of yeah. of, of seeing further what in would but do? yeah yeah but yeah it is the right way to end the film it was just i think i got so involved and so connected to that character in yeah. that an hour and 40 minutes and like i said i felt so sorry for him mm. um as 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 that as as truman that i kind of closure for me <laughs> And my emotions, maybe, mm. just to see him go through that door and be lying on the other side. But yeah, you're right. It, it was the right way to end that film. It's it's left to your own imaginations, I guess, isn't it? You can just make that up for yourself on mm. what would what would happen. And you know, I would never like to see a sequel to this film. I think as a one film, it, it's it's as it stands, it's fine, it's perfect. We don't need a sequel to see that. I guess. Um, but yeah, just for my own personal closure, I think that's just what I needed to see. But, mm. um, but I mean, like other parts of the film were, were really good, and like you know, there were still Jim Carrey esque moments that I really enjoyed. You know, you can't take everything; you can't take Jim Carrey out of Jim Carrey. But, um, I, I really, really kind of like the product placement kind of things that they used to do and you know like Truman's ha- trying to have mm. this serious conversation with Evelyn and like she's just oh, walking around and like yeah. <laughs> trying to do a product placement for some hot chocolate or something or, or I can't remember what it was
2: it's the little things as well like these like routine like breakfast every morning it always has a vitamin D and because there is no real sunlight yeah. you don't really yeah. think about it at the time. you yeah. just think Oh, we all take vitamins. It's like, well, yeah, for him, he's under like a fucking a lamp. (laughs) He's just getting studio lights on him. It's you don't really think about it, and it's like, yeah. You know,
0: and it's, he always uh, meets the those two old twins, uh, oh guys, uh, walking to work, and they always push him towards the uh, the billboard with a different advert mm. in every time and stuff like that. I quite appreciate that kind of stuff. And, um, I just want to also mention the music, I guess the soundtrack to the film. There was a f- couple of uh, pieces of, of music that was really, just really, really good. I can't, you know, memory wise, just didn't really remember the soundtrack either. It, Um, but but watching it back uh, there was a couple of pieces that were just really on point
2: someone made a really interesting take on the movie saying about how like um, I read this a little while back saying about how one of the small things that you don't really hear people talk about one of the small background details is that there aren't any cats in Truman's world which I know sounds really odd but yeah, well, yeah, I guess yeah, that they consciously a I made. Have they ever noticed? <laughs> yeah. that in, they say that in the fact that they consciously made an effort, basically, not to have any cats in Sea Haven because they're too hard to train. Because <laughs> okay. there's a bit <laughs> you see the dog a... fans, You see the bit. You see the dog fancy magazine celebrating dogs, yeah, and there's lots yeah, of people yeah. in town that have dogs. Yeah. Um, and how uh, Truman never actually seemingly ever had a pet dog, um, but everyone else did. Yeah, it just kind of little things like that. Maybe you're looking too much into it, and but that's part of the wonder of it is you're yeah. kind of creating things where maybe they aren't actually even relevant, but you're kind of building that world. You're kind of building a logic around the production and things they did do, things they didn't do. What were the motivating reasons as to why? And you know, when it's in a really controlled environment like it is, it's yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. That's what makes the film so goddamn fascinating and mm. pretty damn amazing it's yeah uh, yeah, yeah it's weird it's, stuff like that
0: Yeah, it's, it's weird yeah it's, it's jumped top into you know um one of the the one, my most favorite films i think now after oh, yeah. rewatching it and, and that's one of the things i'm really enjoying about this journey of this podcast and revisiting some of these films and just seen in a different light. And, uh, the Truman show is definitely one of those. And it's a definitely high recommendation from me to just go and watch it and take what you want out of that film. Mm. Because it's, it's really kind of a, a special, a special mm. film.
2: Also fun fact, the guy is that one scene with the guy who's clinging onto the shower curtain. That was the guy who played Napoleon in Bill and Ted. So. <laughs> <laughs> fun fact. Love it, mate. Love it,
0: love it, love it, love it. Brilliant. <laughs> <Pretty good. laughs> um, when uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Elbert reviewed the film, they not only gave the film two thumbs up, but they gave an on air apology to Jim Carrey for saying that he would never have a career when they panned Ace Ventura Pet Dedictive in, <laughs> in 1994. Which is always a good time when you can shut up, Roger. Um, yeah. Roger Ebert. I don't know how to pronounce his surname. Is it Ebert? That's Ebert?
2: Bert? Ebert. Ebert. I- I Ebert. never brought him up in Godzilla, did I? No. Ron Nimerick's very bitchy portrayal of him as uh, Mayor Ebert. In, uh, <laughs> is that Godzilla? based on
0: him, is it? That's brilliant. Yeah. But even you know. his
2: assistant was called Gene, as in like Gene Roper. So oh, really? It's just oh, that's brilliant. Incredibly, <laughs> yeah, bitchy. <laughs> that's brilliant.
0: Um, according to a 2008 New York Times article, psychologists in Britain and the US reported a number of people experiencing Truman Syndrome, or the Truman Show Delusion, the belief that they are the unwitting star of their own reality TV show. uh, Reportedly, many afflicted specially mentioned the film in therapy. More recently, on September 16th, 2013, the detailed account of one Ohio student who suffered for years from the Truman Show delusion was documented in the New Yorker magazine article under Unreality Star by Andrew Marins. But just reading that fact alone just made don't know, just everything we've already said about the film, but I don't know, it's kind of spawned a condition.
1: Oh, I maybe. know, that, you know <laughs> simulation theorists have been around for over 100 years now, but I didn't know it was that, that recent.
0: <laughs> um, released on the 9th of October 1998 with a budget of $60 million, it took in worldwide $264 million. Wow. So,
2: not bad. Not bad. So that one's the most profitable of all the movies. I would say so. More than Truman, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. no, there's no, a
1: cheap knockoff about a year, was it a year later called Ed TV, Ed TV. wasn't there? It? Oh, it. <laughs> oh. It's like it's two completely Why? different animals. You got this lovely little quaint film about this guy who's basically followed since birth to a guy who goes, "Yeah, I do TV. I do twenty four hour TV coverage for money." Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, but it kind of gets to show like like with the X-Files had $66 million budget and it took in the $189 million and then, you know, Truman had $6 million less with, with just $60 million and managed to pull in more. So it's strange, isn't it? Box office figures are just weird. If you've got any thoughts or uh, opinions on the films that we've covered on this episode, please do let us know uh, the usual channels, you know, on Twitter, um, email us at wolfypod at gmail.com let us know your thoughts and um, we'll sh- we'll share them we'll share them on the next episode but that's all the time we have for for this one thank you as always to everyone for joining us and if you have enjoyed the podcast and would like to support us then we do have a coffee page where you can give us a one-off tip or if you're feeling kinder a monthly tip starting from a pound a massive thank you to you all who have done so you're all legends If that is not right for you right now, you can also support us by giving us a review or rating on Apple, Spotify, or Podchaser. You can find the links in the show notes. Our discord server is open to chat all things retro and modern day pop culture with us and other like-minded people. Please come and say hi by hitting the link in the show notes or on our website. And uh, speaking of the website, please go and visit that at thewolfypod.com. You will find links to everything I've already mentioned, our entire back catalog of episodes, um, and some articles that I've uh, written a review of a video game and a article about Noel's House Pie that I started writing two years ago. So um, <laughs> it's I finally got around to, um, uh, or just I finally got around to plucking up the courage to finish it and, and put it out to to the world to read. So I, I hope that if you do go and check it out, then then um, I hope you'd like it you can find like I say you can find that on the website next time we delve into the world of 1998 TV chaps it's time to say goodbye
1: goodbye and if I don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night
0: my name has been Jason Dom it's over to you
1: well that's it for another
2: episode of what's wrong with Wolfie the boys are off now to hit the roulette table with Patricia Routledge see you later
1: What's wrong with Wolfie? I can hear him barking.